where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. So beautiful, and Sarah and I were both commenting several points this morning, let this be our joyous vow. As we are thinking about peace today, we are going to begin with the end. And we're going to frame our time of reflection by reading from the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible, and we are reading this morning from chapter 21, which is the second to last chapter. I'm starting with verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and God will dwell with them. They will be God's people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are true. May these be words of God for us this morning. When we talked about this on our last day of peace camp, the phrase that came up for the kids was that this is a vision of an upgraded world. You have a picture um, that one of them drew of an upgraded world on the front of your bulletin. One of the things that they were doing with that was to draw a huge mural outside of their own vision of an upgraded world. And in a second, we are gonna take some time to do that this morning. And when we do, the invitation is going to be to let your hearts wander a bit. And also to get specific. What I really love about doing these types of things with kids is that they're not afraid to say what's really on their minds. The idea of peace on earth hasn't become sort of a phrase that they say. And so somebody's upgraded world did include that the Broncos would win the Super Bowl every year, (laughs) which did clash with somebody else's upgraded world. But it was a silly part. And there were so many serious and wonderful ponderings about how a world built on peace would function. What would people eat? Where would they go if they got sick? What would houses be like? What would Longmont look like? 
And I appreciated that because the author of Revelation also includes some very specific things about the new worlds. If we were to continue in chapter 1, we hear uh, John the Elder say these words as he's describing what comes next in this vision. And the angel carried me away to a mountain and showed me, so looking down, showed me the holy city of Jerusalem. It shone with the glory of God. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. And on the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates to the east, three to the north, three to the south, and three on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on those foundations were the names of the 12 apostles. And then the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia. That's about 1,400 miles. So it's roughly from here at UCC Longmont to Cleveland, Ohio. And it was as wide and as high as it was long. And I had to look to find a comparison for what 1,400 miles up is like. And what I found is that the International Space Station is about 250 miles up. The angel then measured the wall around the city, and it was 144 cubits thick. A cubit is about half a yard, so it's almost the length of a football field. And then the angel goes on to describe to this author of Revelation who's having this vision, this encounter, how the walls are made of jasper and gold, and how the city's 12 foundations are made of all these gems, including sapphire, emerald, onyx, and ruby, and each one is made of a different gem. And if you want to look up at the list, it's in uh, Revelation 21, 18. And then the 12 gates to the city are each made from a giant pearl. This is a very specific imagining of what this new city looks like. And John the Elder concludes by saying, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God and Jesus are its temple. God is in residence in this city of peace. And so this morning, this is where we're going to create some space here as we gather together. We're just going to take a minute to doodle or to draw or to imagine what it would be like to build our own city on a foundation of peace. Let's rest in that imagination.
Anybody willing to share a bit of what was in their upgraded world? No war. A circle rather than a square so that there are no corners. Lots of affordable housing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Say that again for me. I heard a circle. Ooh. A circle with a chorus of people and they are singing. What a beautiful image. I know that sometimes the book of Revelation gets a bit of a bad rap because it is a difficult book to understand. It contains so much symbolism, and we heard that. These uh, descriptions are symbols as well as they are specific ideas about what the world might look like. And a lot of that symbolism was specific for the people that it was written for in the time that it was written, and so it doesn't land the same for us always. And there are things in there that um, are at least weird and often scary. But ultimately, it is a book that invites us into possibility. We aren't left in the hard parts or the uncertain parts. We're guided to this, the end, where all has been made well. More and more, I come to believe that this is the central aspect of having a living faith, as Jesus encouraged us to have, and the central aspect to being a vibrant church. We have to take time now and again to envision the possibility of things being different than they are now. It is hard to work for what we call the kingdom or the kingdom of God when we cannot imagine what that would possibly look like. And it happens easily because as humans we are skilled at adapting. It's one of our best traits. But it also means that we adapt to the conditions around us. And the danger that comes with that is that we begin to see things as inevitable. We think that the way that things are now is the way that they have to be. We lose that sense of possibility. And along with a lost sense of possibility comes with a lost sense of hope. There is so much that is lost when we stop believing that it is possible for God to make God's home here. Screenwriter Stephen Chopsky says that adults are bad at remembering how powerful they can be because somewhere along the line they were shamed for their imagination. And there is almost a universal point where that happens to kids. I often measure it by how they engage with the parables. The parables of Jesus, if you're not familiar with them yet, are stories that he told in order to teach 
people about the kingdom of God, but they are metaphors. They aren't straightforward. They're stories like the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed where a man took it and planted in his garden. It grew and it became a tree and the birds perched in his branches. Those are the kinds of things that Jesus used to describe a world of peace. And when you work with the parables with children, you can tell who has already learned to be ashamed of their imagination. You can tell it in the way that they start looking for the right answer after being told that there is no right answer. You can tell it by the hesitance in their voice, if they have an idea about what this might mean. And when Jesus was asked why he taught in parables, he said that it was so only the ones who were meant to understand could understand. It's not one of my favorite teachings of Jesus because it seems exclusivist. But then I wonder if part of the criteria for understanding isn't about being in or out, but about whether you're willing to play with possibility. The first step in any peacemaking work that we do is to believe that the work is worth doing. And if we can't imagine that anything is going to come out of it, then there's little value in trying. Hopelessness is a good tool for maintaining the status quo. But peacemaking will always be about change, which means it's always about imagination. One of the greatest misinterpretations of the book of Revelation is that it predicts the end of the world. And as we saw in our reading, it doesn't. It envisions the renewal of this world. John the Elder describes in detail how Jerusalem will be transformed. And there are two things that are significant about that. First, it is significant that peace begins in a city. Transformation begins in the place where there are all of the challenges of humans living together. There is homelessness and overcrowding and crime and politics and all of the things that make city living hard. And Jerusalem, in particular, is a complex place at that time as in now. In John's vision, this is the place where God starts. This is the place where God meets people in their longing and delivers on the promise of the resurrection that was started. There is no rapture here. The vision of Revelation isn't that God takes everybody to heaven, it's that God makes God's home on earth. Later, if you continue to chapter 22, you will hear how John the Elder goes on to describe a garden of renewal, the Garden of Eden renewed. And he describes how it will flow with rivers that are clear like crystal, and the trees will bear fruit that heal the nation. And it is also a compelling vision that's not where John starts. John doesn't start in a garden. He starts in a city. And I think that says something about where we look for God. 
it's almost as though he's saying, and I, maybe I hear this in particular because I often find God in the garden. <laughs> it's almost as though he's saying anyone can find God in a garden. But this God, this God of peace and of transformation will be found here, among you all, where it is hardest and where you least expect it. It is a personal claim. And for us, I know it's far away to envision a new Jerusalem. It's all the way over there. It makes it feel like a fairy tale, but it was immediate to the people who heard it at the time that it was written. And it is immediate for us. When I was reading this passage, I went through and substituted the names of cities that I have lived in and have loved and I would encourage that as a prayer practice this week. When God comes to Longmont, there will be healing for all the nations. I hear the words coming through for this vision that peace begins with us, that it is personal, and that it is possible when we take the time to imagine it. So this week, let your imaginations run freely. Continue the imaginative work that we have done here today and see where that leads you in hearing God's call on your life. Mm -hmm.